Welcome to Prosper, guys. Prosper 2022. Um, we're just talking about some nice airflow up here, and I managed to get Ryan Kramer and Sajak Agarwal. Ryan Kramer from Ping Pong Payments, Sajak from Mobley, and we're just going to talk about the overlap of payment processes as well as inventory inspection, how this actually works. So welcome to another amazing episode of uh, the Carbon 6 Podcast, aka known as uh uh, elements of success. So uh, let's just roll this off. You guys introduce yourself. Sajak, since you have the mic in front of you, I'll let you take it first. And then Ryan, you can roll it from there. Awesome. Yeah, well, I'm Sajak Agarwal, former Amazon seller, um, grew a brand uh, to a couple million in electronics. Uh, also worked in a lot of other um, categories like accessories and whatnot. Currently the founder of Movly, we do quality control in China, uh, like quality control inspections, factory audits, lab tests, product certifications, things like that. And uh, yeah, it's a little bit about me. Yep. And I'm Ryan Kramer. Uh, I sold direct to consumer back in 2014, 15 for home gift garden company uh, called Evergreen Enterprises. Uh, I've worked in software for Viral Lunch back in the past. And in, right now I'm with Ping Pong Payments with cross-border payment solution, helping people save money when they sell internationally. So that's my background. Perfect. I'm just going to grab a mic and I'm just going to, yeah, we're going to play. Keep yeah, we're literally going to do uh, like round robin or uh, what's it called? It's the Lazy Susan of mics. I wish I actually had it on a little, uh, like on a little dolly. We could just spin it around. But, until it gets uh, tangled up. Yeah, exactly. Until it gets tangled up and it ends up yanking out one of the cords. But yeah, we're just going to keep it like nice, short and sweet, 15, 20 minutes. I want you guys to share what's going on currently right now and payment processes as well as inventory inspections. Uh, how Amazon sellers can actually utilize both aspects of this to get the most out of their uh, most out of their business when it comes to supply chain management, and as well as uh, payment processing to be able to do that cross borders, as well as uh, what's going to happen in your unique spaces in 2022. So I'm just going to pass the mics back to you guys and let you guys take it from there. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Start off with the joke. Yeah. So I mean, uh, as far as like things that you know going to 2022. Um, I think uh, one of the things we just noticed, like literally in the last 24 hours, is that uh, it's been a lockdown in uh, China again. Yep. <laughs> so again, COVID is uh, is another problem again in China. Uh, so I think we're going to see a lot of that in 2022. Like China has a zero COVID policy. The rest of the world is starting to open up, but China is not. Um, and I think that's partly due to, you know, like some level of inefficiency just with their systems uh, as far as like vaccines, especially like it's just not really effective compared to like U.S. vaccines. So I think like in a general sense, we're going to start seeing a lot of problems there. That's going to affect your supply chains quite a bit. Uh, raw material disruptions, things like that. Um, so that's something to watch out for. Obviously, we've had issues with freight. We've had issues on you know, 3PL. We've had issues across the board on supply chain. Uh, so I think in 2022, um, it's really going to be a game of the titans. You know, who can finance the most amount of inventory? Who can, you know, prepare the most months in advance? And I think, you know, working in financing companies and, you know, working with, uh, you know, people that can provide that kind of financing and get things like that together is going to be vital and critical to being able to actually properly operate uh, in China. And I think like with Ryan, you know, what he does at Ping Pong, I think that's, you know, very important as well, because we're also seeing a lot of currency fluctuations yep. uh, with currency. Um, obviously, um, you know, I, I imagine a lot of people here are not buying from Russia. <laughs> if you are buying from Russia, it's not going too well for you right, right. now. Uh, but, you know, Ping Pong obviously works uh, on a lot of different uh, countries, except for Russia now, I imagine. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, to China, especially, there's going to be a lot of currency fluctuations. We're seeing a lot of that throughout Asia and um, just with like, you know, the Ukrainian situation and a lot of other things happening. So I think like, you know, bundling that on, you know, with, you know, rising or lowering, um, you know, conversion rates, uh, supply chain disruptions is going to be pretty critical in 2022. It's going to be pretty all over the place. Yeah. Ryan, what are your thoughts on all that, man? 
<laughs> Let me add on to it. So it all works in cohesiveness, right? Where supply chain disruptions, you have currency disruptions, you have to figure out how you're going to source internationally, but then also how you're going to grow internationally as well. So when that looks, what that looks like as people start to scale appropriately for their own business, how do all these international facets affect your business locally? So supply chain is going to affect my inventory levels in the US, but not in Canada or not in uh, Italy. They all, ha all have this cohesiveness together, how that's going to be disruptive. But a lot of people are actually going back to growth and not focusing on the negative, but on the positive side of e-commerce. A lot of people are asking us, especially here at Prosper, I want to grow. I want to figure out how do we're going to grow in 2022. Uh, I want to grow in Canada. I want to grow in Mexico. What does that look like? And how do I even start? Well, a lot of people don't even realize that if they are selling there, that they're getting, you know, percentages that are taken from them by Amazon. And, and that's where the education process comes in. Education on international growth, how to do it efficiently. How do you catch it early on with supply chain disruptions so that it doesn't affect your quality score or doesn't affect your ratings down the road? So just how do you smartly grow internationally instead of, oh yeah, I'm just going to turn it on in Canada and then come back around and six months down the road, now your business and your brand is affected. So that's what we're focusing on. No, that's uh, that's a great insight that both of you provided. So you're giving me a current update as to what's going on with China. You're giving me a current update. What's what's going on with payment methods, uh, payment processes uh, across other aspects of the marketplace on Amazon and other e-commerce platforms. Um, but I, I, I think something that should really be explored, it's like a lot of Amazon sellers have their entire business solely dependent on Chinese manufacturers. And I feel that there needs to be an absolute shakeup in other aspects of this economy globally as to where people would source. So if you guys, you running an inspection service and then you being in payment processes, where do you guys see the next blue ocean when it comes to sourcing inventory uh, for a lot of e-commerce sellers? Yeah, so that's like a, a really loaded question. And it's kind of tough because the thing is that like, you know, a lot of people think like, you know, hey, like China, you know, there's going to be another China. Maybe it's like India or it's like Vietnam. And like, you know, we're going to come and like build everything in this new country. Uh, but the thing is that like what we've noticed is that it's not really a thing about like, hey, what's going to be the next country? It's more so like what's going to be the next countries? And mm -hmm. like, you know, China has a nice aspect. You know, China is huge. Like think about the population. You know, New York City is like what, like nine million people. Shenzhen has like 12 million. Yeah. Guangzhou has probably another 10 million and, you know, Dongguan probably has another 10 million. Hong Kong has another, you know, bunch of millions. And then you got like Shanghai and this just like, just talking about some of the cities, you know, just a bunch and like kind of population center, like doesn't really exist anywhere else. Like even India, like, you know, we have huge cities, but like not to like that extent with like huge manufacturing, you know, infrastructure, power grids, all that kind of stuff that doesn't really exist. So, you know, I think it's going to be a combination of different countries and it's going to be dependent on, you know, where you're looking. I've seen a huge rise in manufacturing in Central America. I think that's like a great place, especially for handmade products, yeah. assembly. Mexico is really on the rise. If you have like electronics products, or products, or maybe not electronics, but like products that more so just require assemblies of just like a different parts, ship all the parts to Mexico, assemble it there and then ship it over to the U.S. from here, just over freight. Uh, you know, India is really good for like other products like electronics and all that kind of stuff. A little bit more complex stuff that's starting to pop up in India a little bit. Uh, Vietnam is kind of more like normal, uh, handmade kind of stuff. South Korea is really good. It's a little expensive, but it's kind of like Japan almost, uh, a little bit cheaper, where, you know, very high quality, very well systemized. But the funny thing is a lot of the Chinese manufacturers, they're the ones opening factories in other countries. 
So you're operating with Chinese companies just in other countries. That's honestly a little bit of a geopolitical risk as well. Uh, you know, it's unavoidable, unfortunately, yeah. which is kind of funny because everybody's like, hey, let's source outside of China. But then, you know, you're still it, sourcing from China. Yeah, exactly. So indirectly. Yes, exactly. And I don't know if they heard you, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, if, I don't know if the mic caught me, but I was literally chiming in. And I know this is just normal uh, behavior on my on podcast that I'm on. It's just you're still indirectly sourcing from China. So even if you're trying to do it, uh, you're 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 still you're still operating in the same uh, same house. So I'll just pass pass it back to you. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like you know, hey, like you know, U.S. gets into a fight with China tomorrow and sh- sanctions China. Like, hey, we're not doing business with any Chinese companies. Uh, well, sorry, all the companies outside of China are also Chinese companies. Right. So, like, it's kind of like a little bit of an issue. Chinese, like, Russia is, like, one thing because Russian money is in a lot of places. So, it's super messy, but it's, like, we're seeing this right now. Like, it's, it's not messy enough to, like, clear up. Chinese money is, like, a hundred times, a million times messier than Russian money, you know, especially with the size of the economy. So, I think that's just, like, one of the things we're going to see. Like, it's still a geopolitical risk. But also, at least it helps, you know, because now you go find your manufacturer in China and they're like, hey, we have a production facility in this other country. You know, it's booked out. Uh, you know, we can book it for you from here and you just wired money there. And it works out. So I think there's going to be like different options. It's one of those things right now where it's kind of like a trend where large companies are going to go hit it first. So you see a lot of the bigger companies moving to Mexico and then it's smaller companies. You get smaller and smaller after that. So I think that's what we're going to kind of see as far as trends. But. Um, hopefully my monologue wasn't too long here. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to chime in for just a, just a quick second. And yeah, honestly, yeah. if Chinese companies were to come to Mexico, I think it would actually legitimize uh, sourcing from Mexico, quote unquote, yeah. uh, in an aspect, because there's a lot of things, me living in Mexico, there's a lot of things that are lacking, primarily in the infrastructure of, of uh, the way that the uh, Me- Mexico actually operates. So it could be something as simple from roads to stoplights, but also the way that factories just operate, uh, lack of security, lack of, uh, lack of, um, lack of tools to actually be able to implement uh, being able to actually scale up because a lot of factories in Mexico, they do have uh, their caps on how much they can actually produce within a given time frame. In China, you don't really have those kind of limitations that you have. It's essentially how much money can you throw at them yep. and how deep are the connections, right? So if they could build out that network somehow in Mexico, um, that would be fantastic. Ryan, I'm going to let you yeah, take it gonna, from here. I was going to chime in. I think the, the trust factor, I think that's the biggest component of Mexican imports and, and and sourcing but uh, i think a lot of people are trying to use that as a there's so many pros to it too even though it's more expensive the time aspect is is so much more alluring or just having it manufactured in india and then assembled here in the united states i think a lot of that people are trying to find option b c d in case option a like shenzhen gets shuts down in 24 hours how do you start to manufacture like in 24 hours in less than time I think a lot of people are trying to have those backup plans and backup plans to those backup plans and what those look like. And so people are really vetting, I know, like Mexico trips and things like that and Central American trips, even sourcing from Europe or India. It depends on the product. Again, that's that's a caveat in the space, right? It always depends on what category you're in, which is where you're going to have to look and what's actually accessible. And China just has so many options available to them and they've built on it so long. That's why it takes so long to shift this economy away from a behemoth like that. Not a bad thing, but if you're solely dependent on that, just like if you're solely dependent on selling on Amazon, you're going to suffer if something gets shuts down in one day and then your your account gets hacked or anything like that and you're not selling in multiple other marketplaces or ecosystems and things like that. Yeah, and I think this is something that Sajak mentioned uh, not too long ago is the diversity 
right? The diversity aspect of where are you sourcing? So I would say as a lot of Amazon sellers, we are solely dependent on Chinese manufacturers right now or in just some capacity, uh, uh, Asian manufacturers, whether it be China, India, Korea, or uh, just uh, any other places over there, um, that we could actively find ways to actually source our inventory and be able to actually use the currency conversion to our best advantage to be able to get the most out of this. So I know this is a loaded question, as Sajak pointed out to me, but if you were to source from other countries, what would be your top five? And I'll just let you guys provide your own your own little lists. So it, it's a it's a tough it's a tough question. This um, is outside China, correct? Yeah. Yeah, outside yeah. China. Yeah. So I mean, let's put zero at China. Just uh, I want to throw that in there. Like I'd still put top choice China. Um, I, I think you know again it depends on kind of where to look. Uh, sure. I think as far as like ready made products, ready to go, um, probably India is a really good choice. I think uh, yeah. to take a look into. Uh, one of the things you know I kind of mentioned earlier with like electronic products in India is like you know it's a good market for that, but also, a lot of electronic products, China is the one producing the raw materials for them. Like, China does the most rare earth metal mining, if I'm not mistaken, in the world. And um, India does not like China. So, you know, there's a lot of sanctions being put on that. So, yeah. now your manufacturing is a little bit, you know, troubled. So, you know, I'd look at India. Uh, I would look at Vietnam. Uh, yeah. I would look at Mexico. Um, I would put that in the list. Um, fourth, I would actually look at the United States. I think there's a lot of manufacturing capabilities in the United States, especially for a lot of products that you know you work on. Like if you're doing supplements or consumables, uh, don't buy your supplements from China. Uh, my advice. <laughs> well, you, you literally can't. You can, yeah. but you, they're not going to get approved to be sold on Amazon. Really? Yeah. No approvals, like at all. Like you yeah. can't get it lab tested and like certified here in the states. No, man. They wow. Want it to be sourced Actually, can I don't know if anybody can hear. It. Yeah. So I was just chiming in. If you're going to do supplements or you're going to do any kind of consumable or beauty products um, on Amazon you're always going to want to source them here in the United States. They're not going to get approved. Um, they're going to ask for laboratory results. They're going to ask for manufacturing results to see where you got that from. Yeah, you can forge it, but why risk it for the biscuit? It's like a stupid decision. Just get it sourced locally. You're probably going to get a better deal anyway. So anyway, that's my two seconds uh, from knowing about the supplement game. So I'll pass it back to Sajo. Yeah, but definitely. I mean, I, I think it's still possible to get it from like countries like China. It's just a crazy process. It's not even worth it at that point. I'd be very scared to take random supplements from China. Um, just saying that. But again, that's just my two cents. Maybe I'm ignorant on it. No, no, no. I would agree. I like wholeheartedly. I, I don't think China is the route to go for supplements. So uh, don't do that. Uh, so four is uh, United States. And then fifth, uh, fifth is a hard choice. Um, you know, it really depends on your industry. There's South Korea. Um, I would look into Latin American countries, uh, like more Latin American, uh, like South American uh, type countries. Uh, Brazil. Argentina, uh, those kind of areas. There's a lot of manufacturing that comes from those kind of places, and it's mostly like handmade products and things like that. But they are getting into like more specialized products with time. So I would highly recommend looking into that sector. Yeah, um, a lot of them yeah. make sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I've heard good things about you know Italy, obviously with like leather goods. Again, a lot of it comes down to the the niche that you're going to be operating on. Um, the United States, I think a lot of people are looking at, like you said, sourcing and manufacturing and putting together in the United States. Or just looking at like sourcing it from here, building out those factory specs, being able to have that turnaround time, um, it, it it makes sense for a lot of costs co prohibitive com companies on a smaller scale, um, on a large scale. Yeah, I, I appreciate you guys giving me your top five. 
um, in that aspect. And that's one thing that you touched upon, uh, Ryan, specifically. It's like there are other countries that I would consider uh, the gems in the space. Like everybody considers China the gem for sourcing. There are other countries that are gems for sourcing when it comes to specific products. So for me, something that I learned about um, after moving to Mexico is that Mexico is a really top quality producer of leather. Like really good leather, like high quality, actual uh, cowhide leather. And uh, that's something that you can get and you can get it in multiple different uh, finished and uh, tanned aspects of it. So whether it's furniture leather to shoe leather to belt leather to clothing leather to upholstery, um, it's a fantastic location. Um, and it's uh, funny enough, I actually bumped into a gentleman on my flight out of Mexico over here to the United States that uh, worked with uh, Steve Madden um, when it comes to sourcing, uh, building up his his uh, his his catalog for the Mexican marketplace. Wow. And he was doing it all through Mexican leather and tanneries. So I'd love to be able to have that be part of the uh, Mexico sourcing trip. I know awesome. it's primarily uh, in Mexico city. So maybe we can get, uh, maybe we can get like a Mexico road trip for sourcing. <laughs> I think that would be great because there are other aspects of Mexico where you can source uh, wood, uh, wood, wood, uh, wood and other finished materials. So um, I'll just leave it at that. And I'll let you guys chime in on that two cents. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's an emerging market. I think a lot of research is done. I think a lot of people are, are scared to do research in other markets where they know it's like the Alibaba's, the, 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 the networks that are put in place that are fantastic, but they are not catalogs that you can just look through. You have to do a lot more research. You have to do a lot more discovery, a lot more phone calls, a lot more work. And I think that threshold is a lot higher for countries like that because it's not prepackaged for consumability. And I think that space is, it's, it's tough because it's not built out for sellers or, for companies, but it is on the scale of, you know, other fortune 500 companies and whatnot. So it exists, but it needs to be packaged differently so that other companies can come in as a one-off seller entrepreneur too. So I, I would say like that, that would be my hope for the industry as it evolves and grows in the sourcing and logistics space, if you will. I'm going to ask you guys this uh, final last question before I wrap it up. I know it's been a very long day of uh, shooting podcast episodes over here. You guys have no idea. Uh, Ryan has walked by the booth several times and I've literally had a person in here like every 20 minutes. Um, so I ask you guys this based on your international experience, one with working with currency exchange and two working with inspections, where would you want to be able to, if you had the option, where would you set up your second, uh, your next business when it comes to sourcing and inspections and two, where would you source from based on currency exchanges? So, I mean, I just to qualify saying what company or what country would be useful in terms of using, utilizing their currency to buy on behalf of the seller or like yes yes uh, i would Shit. say uh, yeah, russia right and that's cheap so cheap now <laughs> depending on it, the, that's awful that's, that's awful they, oh, no. no comment well based upon how our business is set up there's a lot of compliance and regulations that we have to comply by i think i think because of economic statuses i think that at any given point for a worse phrase is saying you can literally destroy an economy by waging war in certain capacities. And again, it's, it's just a fact on what can happen. We saw with Brexit. I think, I think looking backwards, if you saw Brexit, I think the most exciting opportunity is for them to open back up to Europe and to uh, like have those trade negotiations really say, hey, we're going to figure it out across border. If I'm sourcing from and selling in Germany and selling in the UK, we can make it a lot easier for sellers and businesses to do that once again. It used to be super easy. It used to be very cohesive, but now because they broke it apart, you have to individualize it and literally put them on their own islands 
and no one wanted to figure it out. So I think to speed up growth, I think going back to the that ecosystem of free trade between companies or a lot simpler trade, I think that would be behooving of the UK economy, but also your the EU economy as well. So that's what I would that's what I would say in that capacity. Uh, so I would go with Mexico. Uh, I think Mexico is honestly the best. Uh, geopolitical risk is pretty low. We're not going to go and uh, sanction Mexico <laughs> anytime soon. It's not going to happen. And um, on the other side, you know, on production, uh, they're getting better and better and better. They have great production capabilities. They're right next door. You want to ship yeah. something, it's shipped right away. You know, you're not waiting for a container. You go to India, Asia, anywhere in Asia, it's still shipping on a container over to the U.S., Mexico, it's not. Canada is a little bit more expensive, doesn't have as much of the manufacturing capabilities Mexico has. And um, the cool thing is Mexico is getting more and more sophisticated. It's like cheaper U.S. manufacturing, essentially. You know, you get the same level of quality, maybe a little bit less uh, in a general sense, but it's building up to a very good level. And the cool thing is that Mexico also generally maintains good trade relations with almost all the countries. So for like raw materials, importing, things like that, you know, U.S. can go fight into China, but like Mexico's, you know, staying out of it. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not a geopolitical analyst, uh, so don't quote me on that. But uh, I feel like it's a very low risk, great location to source from. So if you can get products made in Mexico, you're going to be in good shape. Keep in mind, it might be a little bit more expensive initially to get going. Probably need some bigger volumes uh, mm -hmm. to get things up and running, but it's a good place to hold base, uh, you know, if you're a good business. And I'll piggyback off of what you said in regards to Mexico. Um, getting things sourced in Mexico would be, in my opinion, uh, one of the top five, uh, or actually top one, in my yeah. opinion, um, mainly because uh, Mexico primarily imports 90% of its goods. They rarely export, right? And if they do export, it actually gets sold back to Mexico, and they end up paying more for it, which is kind of messed up, in my opinion, especially when it... When it yeah, I know, exactly. Um, especially when it comes to ga uh, gasoline. Like, gasoline is through the roof in Mexico. But to turn Mexico into a manufacturing hub would not only just improve the lives of so many people that live there, but also uh, improve the industry. And the government would literally be forced to actually uh, improve the infrastructure of, of the country just to be able to actually keep up that trade relationship and keep it very healthy. Um, so I honestly think it would be a win-win-win um, if Americans actually looked at sourcing to Mexico and looked at sourcing heavily because just because they're specializing in certain aspects of uh, manufacturing doesn't mean that they can't explode into other aspects of manufacturing like they could exactly. they can easily explode into textile Build capabilities yeah exactly yeah. if you bring the tools there and you have the team in place and you have the trust the ability for them to output is immense and again um i could say they're a very hard-working industrious uh community and culture uh they love what they do they love who they are they love uh they love their strength of being just traditionally Mexican, and they're willing to actually go the extra mile to deliver something. And I believe that they deserve the opportunity to become a, a first world country in that aspect, or even a second world country. They deserve to be able to ele elevate themselves. So um, again, this is, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, uh, maybe it touched like pulled some heartstrings, but I've been living in Mexico for literally 13 months now. And I've, I've grown to actually love the country. I've grown to love it. Like, yeah, their sidewalks suck. And I twit, I dislocated my ankle walking down the street or whatever, man. Like they're great people. They deserve it. Like, so just give them a chance. It's worth a shot. That's the real reason you want to improve. The yeah, that's the real reason, man. It's 4d chess. I want to improve the infrastructure. So that like the sidewalks are safe for me to walk on. Yeah. So I don't dislocate my ankle walking down the street to go get groceries at HEB. And so, take the job at carbon six just for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. Um, it's been a long day. This is prosper day one. 
Sajag Agarwal with Mavli, Ryan Kramer, Ping Pong Payments. Check them out. We're going to have all the links in the description. Smash like, subscribe. As always, love you. Uh, Elements of Success podcast uh, powered by Carbon 6. Peace.